What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Sean Jones NBA Show. We got a lot on the plate today. First off, starting with my reactions to the all-star selections, both the starters and the reserves. Um, And then today, Kyrie Irving just announced that he wants to be traded. So we're going to do some fake trades, not just Kyrie trades, but also other players across the league that have been rumored to uh, potentially being dealt Uh, With the trade deadline coming up right around the corner next week, I know it's going to be a crazy uh, next seven days. So with that, let's get right into it. So I'm going to start off talking about the all-star selections, uh, and I'm going to start out west. So the starters were announced last week. Um, They are Steph, Luka, LeBron, Zion, and Jokic. Um, Probably not a ton of controversy here. Zion probably was the most questionable pick. However, that that third front court spot was kind of up for grabs. I personally would have went with uh, Sabonis just because the Kings have been better than the Pelicans and Sabonis has been a lot more healthy. Uh, they both have had great seasons thus far, not to take anything away from Zion. He's been extremely good when he has played. Um, and then the reserves are uh, Ja, Dame, Markinen, Sabonis, Paul George, SGA, and Jaron Jackson Jr. So I don't have a ton of qualms with this. I think most of this was the right uh, or were the right selections. However, I do have a big uh, issue with Jaron Jackson Jr. making it. Um, I'm not really sure what basis he made it on. When I evaluate all-star selections, there's really three things that um, go into it, in my opinion. Um, Those three things would be uh, individual stats and play, uh, availability, and winning. Um, and so you really have to hit on two of the three of these to even be considered, in my opinion. If you're on a good team and you played a lot, but you're not having a great individual season, you're probably not going to make it. If you're having great stats and you're winning, but you just haven't won or played enough games, then it's going to be tough to make it. Um, and then if you are having a great season, you've played a ton, but your team really stinks, then it's also going to be tough to make it. So you really got to have two of the three to even be considered. And then if you've got all three, that's when it becomes sort of a no brainer, like um, guys like Jokic, for example. So the uh, biggest snubs, in my opinion, were Anthony Edwards, Darren Fox, Devin Booker, Anthony Davis, and Aaron Gordon. So I just want to compare Jaron Jackson Jr. to those guys, really. Um, If you look at it from an individual stat perspective, he is towards the bottom of that list. I mean, Davis is averaging 27 and 12 on good shooting uh, over uh, almost three and a half stocks per game. That's steals and blocks. Booker was having a phenomenal season before he got hurt. 27, six and five uh, near 50% um, and had the Suns near the top of the West. Anthony Edwards has been as durable as anybody in the whole league. He's having his best season at 25 a game. Um, And then Darren Fox, 24, six and four uh, above 50% shooting. One of the most clutch players in the league. And then Aaron Gordon's the only player in consideration that's really similar stat-wise to Jaron Jackson. They both are averaging 17-7. and Jackson's been uh, more dominant on the defensive end, but Gordon's been a little bit more efficient on the offensive end. They both have probably been the second-best player on their respective teams, the top two teams in the West record-wise. So, I mean, looking at the stats, Triple J is probably at the bottom there. He's got the worst stats of all those, except for probably Gordon. They're in the same realm. 
So then we look at availability, and I think this is a big one here. Um, Edwards actually leads the league in minutes, so he's been as durable as they come. And then there's really like a threshold where if you're above it, it doesn't really matter if you played less. This year, I think that's about the 1,300-minute mark. So Edwards is at um, almost 2,000. Fox is almost 1,600. Gordon's at um, almost 1,400. And Paul George is right around the 1,300 mark, for example, as well. Um, Jaron Jackson Jr. is at 945. Um, which is actually less minutes than Anthony Davis and Devin Booker. Um, so that's where I get a little confused because I think the big reason Booker and Davis missed is because people think they didn't play enough. But they actually played they've played more minutes on the floor this year than Jaron Jackson Jr. And they both have significantly better um, individual statistics. And if you want to pull the whole winning card, uh, I looked up record uh, when the players play. So... Gordon has the best record, 33 and 13 among this group. Second is actually Booker at 18 and 10, a better record when he plays than Jaron Jackson Jr. at 22 and 13. Um, so Booker's got a higher winning percentage when he plays. He's played more minutes, and he's got far better stats. So um, many people know I am a Suns fan, so I do have a level of bias. But I also think Anthony Davis should have made it over him. Um, I just don't – if you're going to pull the – he didn't play enough card for Davis and Booker. I just don't understand how you can not also pull it for Jackson when he literally has played less. Um, and just to put into perspective the rest of the guys, Davis has a sub-500 record when he's played. Um, Edwards is right around 500, and then Fox is um, not quite up where Booker, Gordon, and Jackson are, but a little bit above Edwards as well. So if you want to pull the winning card, um, Booker <laughs> has won more than him. And if you want to pull the winning card with the availability, Gordon has won way more than Jackson, and he's got basically the same stats, and he's played almost what almost four hundred more minutes, almost fifty uh, percent more. So I just don't really understand. His stats are subpar. He's missed more time than Booker and Davis, and uh, he hasn't won as much as Booker or Gordon when he has been on the court. So that's really my only qualm. I think Paul George was. Potentially questionable pick as well, only because he's just not having like a vintage Paul George year. Only 23 a game, which is not bad. I guess they probably just wanted to give someone, uh, the Clippers, some representation. And I know Kawhi probably is, just with his slow start, wasn't really ever in the running for that. But if you want to give the teams in that range representation, then why is Edwards not on the team? I mean, he's right. He's within a game of the Clippers and... Um, the Warriors and the Mavs and all the other teams that are in there. And same with Phoenix. I mean, I, it's just interesting that the Clippers just automatically get a player, probably mostly because of where they are in the standings, but then there's teams that basically have the same record that don't have a player. So those are really my only major issues. Um, overall, I think they mostly got it right, but I, I just don't really understand the Jaron Jackson Jr. thing. I know he's having a great defensive season, and I'm not trying to discount that, but when uh, Davis is also having a very good defensive year and Davis and Booker both are collectively significantly better on offense this season and they both have actually played more time on the court than Jackson. So moving over to the East, the starters announced were Kyrie Irving, uh, Donovan Mitchell, Tatum, KD, and Giannis. Um, No big qualm there except for Embiid probably should be in there. Uh, I probably would have had him over Giannis back when voting took place, but now that it's been a while and since Durant's played, I probably would have him over Durant. Um, But those four guys, I mean, 
they're the probably the four best players in the conference, and they all play front court. So someone was going to miss out, unfortunately. But for the reserves, uh, Halliburton, Jalen Brown, Embiid, uh, Bam, Demar Derozan, Drew Holiday, and Julius Randle. The biggest snubs here, in my opinion, would be um, Pascal Siakam, James Harden, Jimmy Butler, and Trey Young. I don't have a ton of issues with this team either. I didn't list Brunson as a snub only because I think it was correct for the Knicks to only get one All-Star. So if you prefer Brunson in over Randall, that's fine. I have some friends that are Knicks fans, a good amount of them actually, and all of them actually prefer Brunson over Randall. So that's fine. But they were never going to have two. They shouldn't have two. They've been hovering around 500 all year. They're going to be a play-in team. Um, and neither of them are having like all NBA type seasons. Uh, and when you get the only time that you can really get to when you're um, a mediocre team is if they're both having significantly uh, great seasons and they're both having good seasons. I mean, they're all-star caliber players, um, but I don't think both should be in. So given that Randall made it, I'm not counting Brunson as a real snub unless you want to swap them. But for the rest of the guys, uh, just looking at the same sort of individual stats, availability and winning, there's a lot of uh, – no one really stands out from a stat perspective because there's a couple different like uh, – Siakam and Trey are having very good counting stat seasons. They both uh, haven't had great impact on winning necessarily, and they're a little inefficient this year. Um, then you've got Harden um, and Jimmy Butler and Drew who all um, have had good impact on winning this year. And they've got modest stats. I mean, Harden's 11 assists are impressive, but 19 points for Drew, 22 for Jimmy, 21 for Harden, all having pretty uh, standard seasons for them. Um, and they've all really played the threshold of enough minutes, so that's not really a factor here. It's really just personal preference on these, so I don't think there's any egregious ones here. I personally would have had Harden in uh, over Drew Holiday and probably would have had Siakam over DeRozan, um, but I'm not, like, losing sleep over uh Siakam missing over DeRozan or um yeah I don't I don't know I think Drew is probably the least deserving of this group I would have had Butler over Drew and Harden over Drew um I have no problem with Drew over Trey though because Trey's been just 43 percent from the field 32 percent from three negative net rating um they've been right about 500 when he's played um and Siakam's got a pretty bad record they're 18 to 25 when he plays this year um but Harden, I think, should have been rewarded. I mean, he's, uh, I think, leading the league in assists. He's settled into his role very nicely. The Sixers are having a very good season. So I probably would have had him as the biggest snub. With Butler, I am not that mad he missed only because Bam made it. Same thing with the Knicks. I don't really know if they deserve two. Because Bam got in, I'm not butthurt about Jimmy missing. Um, you pro- you could have picked Jimmy over Bam, but I kind of think Bam deserved it over him this year. They're actually scoring about the same amount of points this year. Um, Bam's obviously going to be a better rebounder and a better defensive presence inside, whereas Jimmy's more of a uh, perimeter defender. So it's really just personal preference there. They're both having really good years. Um, but Bam's been a little healthier than Jimmy as well, so I, t- I totally understand him getting the nod over. So now let's get into the good stuff. Um, I'm recording this on Friday, February 3rd, and... Um, <laughs> when I wrote up, uh, the agenda, I was just going to do some fake trades, but had to go make some more, uh, fake trades that involve Kyrie Irving because he just asked to be traded from Brooklyn because he has not received the extension, uh, that he wanted. He says that he will walk in free agency if they do not trade him. 
um, which I believe. <laughs> I mean, there's clearly been a ton of issues uh, relationship-wise between him and that front office for a long time now. And so I think the Nets would be smart to trade him based on this. And I don't know what this means for Kevin Durant. I'm not going to really talk much about him until we hear more reports. If maybe he um, does also ask out again, then we'll we'll get to that. But for the purpose of this exercise, I'm only going to um, do Kyrie trades. Um, I, I highly doubt Durant would be traded midseason. I do think that there's a good chance that if Kyrie is traded or leaves in free agency that Durant could be traded in the offseason. Um, but I don't. I think it's just too much too quickly. I'd be shocked if both got traded. So again, I'm not going to touch too much on the Durant piece. But um, I really only well, initially I really only saw four teams that would potentially have interest in Kyrie. That would be the Clippers, the Lakers, the Mavericks, and the Heat. But then the support came out that the Suns might be interested, and I just have no idea what that framework would even look like or why the Suns might even want to do that. But I made some fake trades for all of them. Uh, the first one, this is an easy one that everyone has basically said. Um, Kyrie with Seth Curry to the Lakers. You could sub in Seth Curry or uh, Joe Harris or Royce O'Neal or whoever you please, um, but they need one more salary to make this match. But Kyrie and someone in that 8 to $12 uh, million uh, contract range for Russell Westbrook and the two first-round picks – I think maybe they wouldn't want to give the two because there's so much uncertainty. So maybe one of those first-round picks unprotected. Um, I don't know if the Nets want to do that. It didn't seem like they had much interest in Russ before. But again, they are in a tough spot with very, very little leverage here. So I would not be surprised at all if back against the wall they just take one of those Lakers picks. I know that those picks have been very much valued around the league. And if they make even one of them unprotected, um, it could be a good asset for the Nets to take back. And who knows what's with Russ. I mean, he's a 47 million expiring contract. So he's hopefully will give you some cap space if you let him walk. But I think this would be good for the Lakers. I mean, Kyrie LeBron and AD is as good of a big three as any team in the league right now, probably. And then you add another shooter with either Curry O'Neal or Harris and that team suddenly looks pretty appealing. I know they're down in the 13 spot in the West, and they've got some ground to make up, but that's a good start. Um, if they could even sneak into that 6 or 7 seed, then they could be really dangerous for um, any team in the first round. And if that team's playing someone like the Kings first round, I'm taking the Lakers every time probably. So um, Next trade with the Mavericks, we've got Kyrie for um, Christian Wood, Dinwiddie. I threw Jaden Hardy in there and then a first-round pick. Um, Wood is an expiring contract anyway, and it sounded like he had no, or they hadn't been able to reach a contract extension either. So I've heard rumors that he could be traded anyways. Um, and then Dinwiddie is in there for salary purposes. Plus the Kyrie Dinwiddie Luca fit is not the best fit. Um, if we're talking about just them three on the court at the same time. Jaden Hardy is uh, was drafted in his last year's draft. He slipped to the second round, but he was viewed as a first-round talent after struggling in the G League uh, the year before. But he's got some upside, obviously, so uh, could be a good young player for the Nets to pick up. And then I threw a first-round pick in there as well. It's not a ton for the Mavs to lose, considering uh, it's just one first-round pick. Who knows how much uh, projection could be on it. And then Wood is probably going to walk anyway or potentially be traded. So you're really just upgrading Kyrie. Um, and Dinwiddie there. So 
I don't hate this for the Mavs, honestly, only because the pressure really is on for them to start winning <laughs> more. Um, because Luca, I mean, the clock is ticking. I know he's still very young, and he did sign the extension, but it'll sneak up quickly, and they have failed miserably to get a co-star for him. I mean, Porzingis was the closest thing they had, and then Brunson. And they pretty inexplicably let Brunson walk for nothing um, and then traded Porzingis for some <laughs> contracts, basically. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think Kyrie would be the best player by far Luka's ever played with. There's obviously risks of any team acquiring him, but he certainly would uh, help them, in my opinion, moving forward. Next, we have the Clippers. Um I've got Kyrie for Marcus Morris, Norman Powell, Terrence Mann, and a first-round pick. And I actually think the Clippers would probably be reluctant to do this because I know they like Terrence Mann, and they don't have many first-round picks to trade anyway, so this would really be the only one that they can deal. Um, so this puts them in a tough spot for the future, especially if they don't re-sign Kyrie. I think the Clippers are probably least likely among this group because I think they like their team. But, I mean, if they could roll out a lineup of Kyrie, Kennard, Paul George, Kawhi, and Zubats with still some good players like Batum and Covington off the bench. That's a really good team, and I think it's a better team than what they have now, but I don't know if they're going to be willing to deal Man a first and Powell. They might want to keep one of those assets. They probably have to include Powell for contract uh, matching purposes, but they'd probably like to keep either Man or the first-round pick. I mean, there was talk that they wouldn't want to trade Terrence Mann for uh, Red Fred Van Vliet, for example. So we'll see. Um, I think that would make the Clippers absolutely terrifying in the West if Kyrie was on the team. Um, again, that would probably be the best big three in basketball, and they might vault all the way up to favorites in the West, in my opinion, if that did happen. Next, we've got the Miami Heat. We know they are always lurking um, to acquire a uh, superstar. Um, and I think that... This could potentially be one of the more appealing packages for the Nets because they could send back Kyle Lowry, Nikola Jovic, Omer Yurtseven, and a first-round pick. Um, Lowry's probably the closest thing to a replacement that they're going to get. So, I mean, they're going to be worse than they are now after this trade, but not significantly. I mean, Lowry is still a good fit for that team because he provides shooting, ball handling, uh, playmaking, which is all things they lose with Kyrie. He's obviously not as good as Kyrie, but he's much more reliable and we know what he brings. Um, he's also better defensively and I know he's older, but he does only have two years left on his deal. Um, so it's not a terrible contract to take on last year or next year would be his last year, um, on the deal. But with Lowry, Simmons, Durant, Claxton, and then the rest of their like wings with, uh, Harris, O'Neal, Curry. It's not a bad team. That's still a playoff team for sure. Um, they probably would be about where they are now, I think, the five or six seed in, in the um, East. And then I think this makes the Heat a lot better with Kyrie, Harrow, Butler, Bam. That's a really big or really good top four. Um, but yeah, I think the Heat would fall over the Nets in this scenario. But um, like I said, I think this is a decent package for the Nets. But again, I don't know if they really want to keep him in the East. They might prefer to send him out West. So Speaking of the West, um, I absolutely did not expect the Suns to be anywhere on the radar here, but it has been reported that they <laughs> have some level of interest. So um, there's really two versions of, of a trade they could make, and I don't even know why they would do either, the Suns, that is. 
The first version is a Chris Paul swap. So, I mean, they could just do Jay Crowder and Chris Paul for Kyrie, <laughs> which I don't know why the Suns would do that. I mean, on paper, they might be more talented with Kyrie. Kyrie, when he's playing, is probably a better player than Chris Paul. But I think that what Chris Paul brings is good for the Suns. Um, and, God, I just don't know what that would do with the locker room. I mean, Chris Paul and Monty are super close. Um, James Jones and Chris Paul are close. Booker and Chris Paul are close. And I w- I'm not opposed to moving Chris Paul in the near future, but for Kyrie, I mean, we just have no idea what we're getting with that. Um, and I'm not sure that they're more of a contender after doing that. It certainly raises their ceiling, but I think it lowers their floor. And if they don't re-sign him, then that could just be a total disaster. Um, I actually think that the Suns might want to get a pick back too in that trade just because Chris Paul just has more value than Kyrie right now. Um, he just does. So, And then another version would be they keep Chris Paul and maybe send Aiton to the Nets with Crowder. Um, but then the Suns don't have a lot of size, so maybe they would want Claxton back in return too, and the Suns could give up a first in this scenario. So I don't know, some variation of that. But then I have no idea what the Suns are doing with Kyrie, Chris Paul, and Booker. Um, they would not be able to hold up defensively with Irving and Chris Paul both on the court, in my opinion. Um, and maybe that's just them trying to compile assets um, <laughs> um, and they end up shipping someone out later. I have no idea. But, um, I mean, a closing lineup offensively of Chris Paul, Kyrie, Booker, Bridges, and Claxton or whoever, if they don't get him back, Biombo or Sharich or whoever you throw at center. It's a really good offensive team. Don't get me wrong. And they'd probably be better than they are now offensively. But on defense, that could just be very questionable in my opinion. So I don't think the Suns are a real player in this. That's just my gut call because I just don't see where Kyrie fits on the team unless you give up Chris Paul. And I just don't see why they would want to move Paul for Irving just based on the, the locker room and culture fit when you don't know if having him is even going to make the team better, uh, the on-court product. So so now I want to move on to some other trades that do not involve Kyrie. Um, I think I've got seven of them here. Uh, most of these have had some sort of rumbling. Either the player has been known to be available or they've been linked to it in some way, but I wanted to lay out some potential fake trades that I made on the trade machine. So first one being OG Ananobi to the Grizzlies for Dylan Brooks, Zaire Williams, and two first-round picks. So I know it's been rumored for uh, three first-round picks potentially going for OG. I think that's pretty absurd. I'm not saying that won't end up happening, but I personally just (laughs) would not do that. I mean – He's never been an all-star. He's not going to be an all-star in the next year. He, I just don't see him being an all-star ever. He's not an all-star caliber player. He's a very, very, very good role player, an elite role player. But he's just not going to be an all-star. So three first-round picks for a non-all-star just is a mistake, in my opinion. Unless you've just got excess picks. Like if the Thunder were closer to contending, they have just a million picks, so many picks that three is like nothing to them, then sure. That's why you get all of those picks like that. So you can just kind of big dick everyone on the market. But I just don't think that any (laughs) team in a vacuum should give up three picks for OG. But um, I like his fit on the Grizzlies. Um, 
I like the uh, subtraction of Dylan Brooks from the Grizzlies. That guy is just not that good at basketball. He's <laughs> his true shooting percentage I saw is below fifty, which is just atrocious, and he's just been annoying on the court, causing trouble. He, he shoots them out of games. He's like a fake good defender, like kind of like Pat Bev, where you're like, are you actually a good defender? Are you just annoying and trying to get in people's heads? So I don't know. I hate Dylan Brooks. <laughs> I think he sucks. I don't like watching him play. He takes bad shots. He doesn't make many shots. But he can score in some volume <laughs> capacity. Uh, so maybe the Raptors want him. And the Zaire Williams has shown some promise over the last two years, plus a two first-round pick. So I don't think it's a, a terrible um, get back for – Ananobi for the Raptors. Um, and then for the Grizzlies, I mean, sliding him in in the Brooks spot just makes them instantly better on offense and defense because he's a much better shooter than Brooks. He's a much better defender than Brooks. He's going to take better shots than Brooks. Um, I just love that fit. I think that they, I mean, they're already the num- uh, top two defense in the league, I think. So um, adding him just totally elevates them uh, ceiling-wise. Again, he's not an all-star caliber player, so it doesn't make them instant favorites necessarily, but it definitely puts them as uh, likely to win the West as anyone, I would say. Up next, I have Mike Conley and Jared Vanderbilt to the Clippers for Robert Covington, Luke Kennard, a first-round pick, and a second-round pick. So um, I really like this for the Clippers. They need a little bit more size. Um, Zubats is really their only playable big man right now. So Vanderbilt would be ideal for them because he's, he can play center, but he's also very versatile. Um, and then Conley is just exactly what they need. I mean, their point, their point guard play has been really poor this year between Jackson and and wall. I've heard rumblings. They might actually cut wall, uh, which probably would be a smart thing. He's been really bad for them. And then Jackson just hasn't been good either. He's not a starting caliber point guard at this point. Um, despite him having played well in some of the last few postseasons. They've been starting Terrence Mann a point guard. He's not a true point guard, so I like him, but I don't love him in that role long term. I like him better there than Jackson and Wall, but that's me more saying uh, – that says more about John Wall and Jackson than it does about Mann. Um, so I think Conley would be perfect. He's a much better shooter than all of those guys. Um, he's a fine defender even as he's gotten older. Um, he's a more reliable ball handler. He takes – uh, better shots. He makes better decisions. I think he'd be a perfect fit. Um, and then for the Jazz, Luke Kennard is a good player. Uh, his contract's reasonable. I, I've i always liked him. He's a knockdown shooter. He's actually got a little bit more ball handling and playmaking than you would think. Um, he's not phenomenal defensively, but I don't think the, J- the Jazz necessarily care about that right now. Covington is more of a salary filler. Um, they could maybe flip him for something else down the road, but they get a first-round pick as well as a second-round pick. I thought two first-round picks is probably too much because I don't think Conley is worth a first on his own, and Vanderbilt probably isn't either. Um, but they probably are worth more than one first-round pick together. So I added in a second, and then Luke Kennard is definitely not just a throw-in. He's actually a pretty solid player, so I like him in this deal for the Jazz as well. Next, I'm going to address the Jake Crowder situation finally. Um, I have this as a three-teamer. I think any Jake Crowder trade that happens is going to be a three-teamer because he wants to go to a contender. Contenders want him. And most contenders don't want to give up other good rotation pieces to get a rotation piece because uh, it could be like a net zero basically. But the Suns want a rotation piece. So um, it makes the most sense to make this a three-team trade. So. Um, I have Crowder going to the Hawks, so not really a contender, but he has been linked to them. Um, He's from the Atlanta area, and 
Uh, they've been rumored to be interested in him. So I have uh, Jay Crowder, Rudy Gay, Josh Okogie in a first-round pick going to the Hawks. I have John Collins going to the Jazz. Um, and I know he's been rumored to be in a million trades. And the Jazz have been linked to him. And I think he'd be a good buy-low candidate for them. We already saw what they were able to do with uh, Markkanen, turn him into an all-star. So I wonder if uh, Collins could be a similar reclamation pro- uh, project. Um, and then I have Jordan Clarkson going to the Suns. So overall, Hawks get Gay, Crowder, Okogi in a first, Jazz get Collins, and Suns get Clarkson. Um, so I like this for the Jazz, like I said. I think Collins uh, would have a lot more opportunity to blossom in Utah, um, not having to uh, live or die by Trey Young uh, giving him the ball. Um, but him and Markinen, probably not a very good defensive duo in the uh, front court. Um, but Kessler is a good fit there as well next to those guys. And that's a really interesting threesome in the uh, front court there. Um, I love Clarkson's uh, for the Suns. Campaign's been out for a while, and he has no timetable to uh, return. Shamit has also been out for a while. I think he will return soon-ish, but he's not really uh, a great – like you don't want him as your backup point guard, which is what he would be right now. Clarkson – is so much better getting his own shot, uh, shot creation. Um, he's probably worse defensively than those guys, but I think they can afford that. <laughs> I think he's kind of the perfect uh, third guard off the bench for them, so I really like that. And then for the Hawks, you're getting a first-round pick, um, along which you could use, honestly, because they gave up so many to get uh, DeJounte Murray. And then Jake Crowder is a good uh, fit at the four for them next to um, Capella and DeAndre Hunter. I think probably... I mean, he's a worse player than Collins, but we know that they like Crowder and kind of don't like Collins. So I think it makes sense um, for them as well. Next, this one is a little bit more of a blockbuster deal. I think this is not likely to happen um, because I don't think the Bulls have any (laughs) self-awareness. But Zach Levine to the Knicks, uh, and the Bulls get back three first-round picks, Cam Reddish, Evan Fournier, and Derrick Rose. So this works on a few fronts because we know Cam Reddish is rumored to be um, out the door at some point. So I think Chicago, if they do this trade, they're obviously going over a bit of a rebuild. So it's a good spot for Reddish. They can probably actually give him some legit playing time. Three first-round picks is obviously nice for Levine. He's got a big contract. Um, so I I don't think he's going to get some Donovan Mitchell-type deal, but I think this is close to the DeJounte Murray Um deal so i think that that is more in line and then fournier is just a contract filler and then it'll be a nice story for derrick rose to go back to chicago i don't know how much he'll play but i'm sure the fans would love that so uh for the knicks it gives them another dynamic scorer um brunson levine barrett randall and robinson is a very solid five um I still don't think that they'd be contenders in the East. I think they're probably in that four or that uh, four or five range, seating wise, but probably not higher than that. They still wouldn't be better than the Celtics. They're still not better than the Bucks. They're still not better than the Sixers. But that's just because all those teams have top ten players, and the Knicks just don't. So, um, but when you don't have a top ten guy, I mean, the closest you can do is compile uh, a lot of other really good players, and that's what they'd have. I mean. Randall is a two-time All-Star now. Brunson easily could have made it this year. Levine has been a two-time All-Star as well. Um, and then Barrett has been disappointing, but we know that he's at least a um, okay role player at this point. And then they've got some interesting pieces off the bench still with Quickly, Hartenstein, 
uh, Quinn Grimes. And they get to keep most of those guys. Um, so I like this for both sides. I've been preaching that the Bulls need to blow it up for a while now. And um, I think this would be a good start. If they do do this, then I do think it would make sense to potentially shot Vucevic and DeRozan and Caruso. Just tear the whole thing down. Especially with the picks. They they still have one pick to Orlando, but it's top four protected. So you might as well try and be as bad as you can so that pick doesn't convey. Um, and if it does convey, then outside the top four anyway so it's not a huge deal but then starting next year you would have all your picks again so got another little bit of a blockbuster deal here so this one um this is if the raptors really decide to blow it up i do think ananobi is going to get moved i'm um and trent and van vliet have been rumored as well but um and this one i have pascal siakam going to the suns for deandre ayton and three first round picks and one pick swap i think that this works in uh, a lot of ways for both teams. The Suns really need a second go-to score, a shot creator, um, really at any position. And power forward is really the one that makes the most sense for the Suns, considering that's probably their weakest spot in the starting lineup. We know that the Raptors have been linked to Aiden. Apparently, they were very close to acquiring him in a sign-and-trade in the offseason last year uh, before he signed with the Pacers. Um, and then three firsts and a swap is pretty good for Siakam especially when you consider they're getting Aiton as well, who's certainly not a bad player, um, probably in the top 50 to 60 range from a player perspective. Siakam's in the top 20 range, I'd say, but on the back end. Um, I think this makes the Suns instantly much better. They can roll out a closing kind of smaller lineup of Paul, Booker, Bridges, Cam Johnson, and Siakam. Um, they're certainly going to be not a big shot-blocking team, Um they wouldn't really have a rim protector out there, but they'd be so much better offensively with this lineup. Um, just more shot creators, more ball handlers, more scorers. Um, and we've seen teams just be able to win with replacement level centers across the league. So this also, the Raptors just have a lot of similar guys. I don't think Siakam, OG, and Barnes are similar players necessarily, but they're all around like the same size. They all need the balls in their hand to do to be successful, at least, well, less so on Anobi, but um, Siakam and Barnes do. And just playing all three of those guys, it's just kind of like a weird fit at this point. So Aiden at least like diversifies their lineup from a positional standpoint, which I like for them. Um, and then the three first-round picks with a swap is pretty good value for Siakam. Um, he's not too far away from 30, and he actually only has – one year left on his deal after this and wouldn't be surprised if he ended up walking because he's probably going to want a very big contract. I don't know if Toronto really wants to build around him. They probably want to fit more on the Barnes timeline. Um, so I think this works for both sides. Um, and we know that there's been interest on both sides for these players in the past as well. So the next one, um, this trade actually could still be done even if Kyrie uh, goes to the Lakers, but I have the Lakers getting Buddy Heald for Patrick Beverly, Lonnie Walker, and a second-round pick. Heald might demand a first-round pick, but I don't know, man. I mean, he's already 30 years old. He's only got one year on his deal after this. And we've seen those guys that have just been rumored to be traded, rumored to be traded year after year after year, and then they aren't traded. And then their value drops. I mean, John Collins is a great example of this. Miles Turner. Um, he's having a really good year, but I don't think he's on the block at this point anymore because he just signed that extension. But I just don't know if Buddy Heald's getting you a first-round pick. He's a 30-year-old player with one year left on his deal who's elite at shooting but not doesn't really do anything else. He's a bad defender. 
Um, he doesn't create for others at all. Um, he's not a great ball handler. So, But he's exactly the kind of player that would fit well on the Lakers. Maybe they have to throw him two second-round picks instead of one. Um, but then Lonnie Walker, he's still pretty young, and he's actually having a good year. So he's not necessarily just a throw-in. Um, I know he expires after this year, but the Pacers could look to re-sign him. And then Beverly is obviously just an expiring contract. Um, the Pacers have a ton of cap space as is, so it's not like uh, <laughs> they need more cap space. But if they did want it, he, he certainly would help with that. Um, but I think the Pacers should trade him. I mean, I think they got to open that spot up for Matherin moving forward. He's had a really good rookie year. So, And then the last trade I've got on here is uh, the Cavaliers acquiring Gordon Hayward for Karis LeVert and Isaac Okoro. This is a bit of a gamble from the Cavs' perspective. Um, Hayward is just <laughs> probably the most injury-prone player in the entire league. He's not going to play more than 40 games. But the point is he majorly raises their ceiling. I mean, if he's there, if you pl- plug him in as the small forward um, between their two big guys and the elite guards that they have, God, I can't imagine a better fit. I mean, he's, a, he's instantly the best wing shooter they have on the team. Um, and he's not just a shooter. I mean, the dude can create his own shot. He's a good passer. Um, he's a, he's a good ball handler for a wing player and he would just be awesome for them. He's got uh, one year left on his deal after this year. He makes 30 million, but I mean, again, it's only one year after this. So it's not like some massive, um, commitment. So if he gets injured or it doesn't work out, I mean, he's gonna, just going to roll off next year and they'll have plenty of cap space too, as well after that. Um, Levert is an expiring deal and he's a fine player, uh, probably best suited for a bench role, but he's just not a good fit with that lineup. They need more of a spot up shooter guy, um, who can play more in that role. And Levert is just not a phenomenal shooter, but he is, um, a good shot creator. Um, not the most efficient player, but someone that would probably be good on the Hornets. Um, I don't mind him next to LaMelo, um, him and Rozier probably aren't a very good fit, but they are rumored to be looking to move Rozier anyway. And then Isaac Okoro, um, I mean, he was a top five pick just a few years ago. He hasn't been phenomenal to this point. He hasn't shot the ball particularly well. Um, but he's still raw. He's still super young. And he's got two years left on his deal as well. Um, and then they'd have the opportunity to re-sign him in restricted free agency if they wanted. So, he could be locked up for a while now if they like him. But th- those are the exact kind of players the Hornets should be going for. Younger players who have potential, um, maybe haven't lived up to it quite yet. But um, I think this will help the Hornets tank some more too. I think they should really blow it up. I think that they are, would be well-suited to trade Plumlee, Rozier, Hayward, uh, really anybody but Lamella, <laughs> um, and maybe like Mark Williams. There's a few other guys I think I like on their team. P.J. Washington I like, but... Um, He's been rumored to be potentially moved as well a few times. So who knows what uh, is going to happen. But I know that they have been rumored to. Um, today there was a thing that came out that said they're pretty much move, open to moving any veteran on the team. So that's going to do it. Uh, I tried to keep it pretty short today um, just because there's a lot of stuff going on. And I didn't want to uh, bore you guys for <laughs> over an hour uh, this time. But I'm definitely going to uh, keep tabs on the Kyrie situation. We have the trade deadline coming up next Thursday. Um, who knows if Kevin Durant potentially will want out. Um, but I will have a episode next week to recap the trade deadline, my reactions uh, on pretty much all the trades, even the minor ones I'll touch on. So 
Uh, it's going to be an exciting week. Uh, but with that being said, thanks so much for listening, and I will chat with you guys soon. Thank you.